And we really believe that without health equity, we're never going to achieve gender equity. There's 810 women that die every day due to complications of pregnancy and childbirth. So these are things that we have answers to, we have solutions to. You know, we have modern contraception. We have all of the, you know, kind of knowledge that we need to have strong maternal health care. That was Rena Greifinger talking about the state of women's health worldwide and about a unique approach to improving it. Rena is managing director of the Maverick Collective, which brings together women philanthropists to solve problems from a feminist perspective. I'm Alain Verveer, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We are bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. One of the founders of the Maverick Collective is Melinda French Gates. Here's what she has to say about Maverick. This is what happens when smart, dedicated, compassionate women come together to make the change they want to see in the world. Rena is joined in today's conversation by collective member Alex Idol. She's a philanthropist and head of the John Idol Family Foundation. Listen and learn why Rena Greifinger, Alex Idol, and the women of the Maverick Collective are among Seneca's 100 women to hear. I'm speaking today to two leaders of the Maverick Collective, Rena Grindfinger and Alex Idol. It is an innovative funding initiative of high net worth women supporting women's health and related projects. And I'm eager to talk to both of them today and grateful they are with us so we can all learn about what this important platform does. Uh, Rena, welcome. Alex, welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Well, tell us, what does the Maverick Collective do and why is it different or how is it different from other nonprofits? So the Maverick Collective is a community of women philanthropists that are investing in global health and reproductive rights with the aim to accelerate gender equity across the world. We were co-founded by global health organization PSI with Melinda French Gates and the Crown Princess of Norway about nine years ago. And the idea was to bring women philanthropists together to, quote unquote, give beyond the checkbook, to engage deeply in the work that they were funding so that they could be real, authentic champions for women and girls and reproductive health, so that they could get smart on the issues and be able to use all of their capital, not just their money, but their curiosity, their time, their testimony, um, their influence to advance the issues that they care about, while at the same time really using their, their financial capital to help PSI, which is a leading kind of cutting-edge global health organization, really move the needle on some of the most intractable problems in women and girls' health across the world. And do you think that this model would have been workable 20 or 50 years ago even? I'd like to think that women have been ready for this kind of model for a really long time. Um, but I do think that when we were founded, when the Maverick Collective was founded um, about nine years ago, I will point out that PSI is 52 years old. So we've been in the business of global health a long time. But about nine years ago really was around the time when women like Melinda Gates were really 
kind of stepping out on their own and Mm -hmm. um, creating an identity around philanthropy that was truly their own. And I like to say, you know, being taken seriously for their mastery, not not just their money or who they're married to. And I think Melinda herself was really getting smart um, on the issues that she cared about, which she still does today, gender equity, reproductive health. And she wanted to see more women be able to champion those issues and be strategic and wise about how they fund those issues and saw this um, creation of a community as a place where they could really do so together. What we certainly know is that women want to practice philanthropy differently than men. Um, For too long, philanthropy has been very white, very male, um, quite patriarchal in the way it's set up. And we really believe in a more feminist uh, kind of redefined approach to philanthropy that looks and feels different. And I think 10 years ago was a really important time for women like her to step out and lead. And we've just seen a real movement galvanized since then. Well, she has certainly been a leader in this field. And I know how committed she is. And I think it's extraordinary that the Maverick Collective has come into being. Alex, what brought you into the Maverick Collective and how has that enabled you to do the kinds of things you might not be able to do otherwise? And how does one join the Maverick Collective? So I was in a unique uh, point in my life when I had first joined Maverick Collective. I was uh, I was in business school. I was going through a major career transition And I was also in a position where my family had asked me um, or had sort of let me know that I was going to be taking on a leadership role in our family foundation. Today, I'm president of our family foundation. And what was really important for me was to make sure that I had experience both locally and globally to be able to make the type of grants and, and sort of, um, effectuate philanthropy in a way that reflected my family values. And I think what was great is that um, I was able to um, partner with an organization, Maverick Collective, who had sort of this big PSI NGO behind them. And we were able to take risk, right? And that's what I came in to do is, is really fund innovation in global health and um, I was able to uh, uh, invest in projects that philanthropists were otherwise um, maybe um, nervous to do. I think what I also um, had the, the, what was great about Maverick was that I gained not just experience sort of in writing the grant and writing the check, but we, we went into in country and really um, sat with the women and girls that we were impacting. That sounds so terrific. So it was a, a learning experience and not just a check writing experience. Rena, I know that the collective has programs all across the world. Can you give us a sense of the state of women's health right now and uh, perhaps some of the specific kinds of programs that you're supporting to help improve women's lives? Absolutely. So um, to give you a sense of our size and scale, PSI, which is the global health organization behind Maverick Collective, operates in about 46 countries. We have 5,000 employees across the world, about 98% of whom are 
local to the countries and regions where we work. And as I mentioned earlier, we're 50 years old. So we're an organization that is deeply locally rooted and locally led, but globally connected. And I would say the state of women and girls health right now is, is, you know, continues to be pretty dire. And I hate to be kind of one to, you know, drown ourselves in the negativity, but I think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, the, um, Global Goals Report came out just a few weeks ago saying that without investment, gender equality will take nearly 300 years to achieve. And we really believe that without health equity, we're never going to achieve gender equity. Right now, there's still over 200 million women around the world that go without modern contraception that they want, right? There's 810 women that die every day due to complications of pregnancy and childbirth. So these are things that we have answers to, we have solutions to, you know, we have modern contraception, we have all of the, you know, kind of knowledge that we need to have strong maternal health care. We know that we're failing women and girls all over the world, including in this country, of course, you know, more than 61% of women did not get tested for any of the most dangerous diseases in the past 12 months. And more women die from cervical cancer than childbirth in the global South. And that's really because there's still a severe lack of access to healthcare and a lot of stigma, a lot of barriers put up, particularly against women and girls accessing that healthcare and being able to make choices for their own bodies and their own lives. You know, we're, we're very kind of steeped in it in the reproductive health and rights space right now, particularly here in the U.S., which, which reverberates globally. Um, and that translates to a lot of other health issues as well beyond reproductive health, where women are, where women and girls particularly lack the ability to kind of take their health into their own hands. You know, the plus side of this, of course, is that we have incredible ingenuity and creativity that come out, particularly in times of crisis and constraints. We have a lot of known solutions out there. We do actually know how to provide better access to healthcare. And I think now, particularly from the, the seat that I sit in and in working with individual philanthropists and particularly women philanthropists that are that are bold and curious and willing to go where others won't, we have a huge appetite and a lot of momentum around using philanthropy to really catalyze the type of systemic change that we need in order to break down those barriers to health and to gender equity. Um, how Maverick Collective has always operated is, you know, as, is, is this idea, as I just said, of going where other funders won't and using philanthropy as a vehicle to test new innovations, new technologies, new approaches and ways of working in order to move the needle and to accelerate rapid innovation in healthcare. You know, for instance, we have Maverick members that are helping PSI introduce new contraceptive technologies in different markets. You know, one of our members funded a piece of work that allowed us to test whether women can self-inject contraception in Mozambique. This is a technology we don't have here in the U.S., but it's becoming more popular across the global South, trying to kind of leapfrog or bypass the major um, roadblocks in the healthcare system. You know, take, it's very hard for women to be able to get to clinics to get their prescribed contraception. This uh, self-inject contraceptive is something that a woman could pick up in her local pharmacy, take home, and inject uh, in the privacy of her home. 
we were able to use Maverick Money to test the kind of desire and uptake of this contraceptive technology in Mozambique to also prove to the government that women could, in fact, uh, self-inject safely at home. Of course, um, women, you know, aren't always trusted to do such things. And of course, the data showed, of course, they can. Um, and within five years of this Maverick investment, we had been able to demonstrate that there was a real desire and a real demand for this new type of contraception and also show the government that that they could actually um, allow women to access it in pharmacies. And after five years, policy was changed and now women are able to access self-inject contraception across the country. So we see some really important uses of Maverick money not only to help PSI try new things, but really to change policy and change systems in the countries where we work. Yeah, that's an excellent example of not just direct funding one project, but really being able to go well beyond that by affecting policy changes that then make it enormously sustainable for larger numbers of people. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. You know, Alex, I'm wondering, um, Rena mentioned uh, the fact that uh, the collective works with other female philanthropists, and you are clearly one of them. And I wondered what projects you you have been perhaps closely involved in, in terms of the funding that have been particularly significant for you. Yeah, so I've invested with the collective um, for many years now. I was um, pretty early on in it in its inception as well. And so I've invested in three ways and in three programs. Mm -hmm. So the first program that I invested with is called Maverick Venture. And if you're familiar with finance, it's sort of a venture capitalist approach to investing in philanthropy. Um, It's um, larger investment in size. It's um, a few years. But as Rita mentioned, it's really catalytic and change. And so I focused on um, women's health in Uganda. Um, many women still die um, within at, during childbirth or within weeks of childbirth. And we, similar to the example that Rena had mentioned, not only funded um, clean birth kits that saved women's lives, but this was ultimately adopted into policy change. And um, there was additional funding that's, that was provided. Uh, that sort of led me to help discuss with Rena the founding of an, another program I invested in called Maverick Next. And that was a cohort model. So that was bringing on young women who not only wanted to invest in this innovation, but wanted to invest in deep systemic change. And so for my project um, with Maverick Next, that was also related to sexual and reproductive health. And that was in Ethiopia. And my project there was related to contraception. I think what was really great about this experience was that it led me to want to invest in Maverick's third program because, you know, with that, we also, again, are focused on um, scaling up the project. I think from the 20,000 women that were initially impacted in the Kabele that we had focused on, now the goal is to reach half a million girls with contraception in Ethiopia and some surrounding uh, countries. What was so apparent about that was 
sitting down with this young girl and putting her at the center of, you know, impact and the center of, you know, we're really here to support her. And so Maverick has a new, um, has a new program called Portfolio that is really putting women and girls at the forefront of the decision-making and all of the initiatives and all of the partnerships are really going to be grassroots and they are going to come from in country and come from the women and girls who are directly impacted by these health initiatives. Well, that's terrific. I can just hear how enthusiastic you are as an investor in these programs over the the fact that uh, they make a difference and Rena telling us as well about the significant impacts that the programs have had. I know that uh, the Maverick Collective has been involved uh, significantly in helping with the evacuation of Afghan women, uh, human rights defenders, women leaders, uh, when the Taliban took over. Can either of you talk about that? So I I think I can touch upon that um, quickly in that I think what's really incredible about the Maverick Collective is the trust that we have placed both in PSI and in the community as a whole. We are really friends and family as Maverick Collective members. We not only have personal relationships and now professionals, some of us invest in venture capital together, but one of our members, Amy Dornbush, came to the community and in partnership with Vital Voices and discussed what funding was needed. And none of us had really bat an eye. And I think within 48 hours, as a community, we had mobilized a a few million dollars. And this was not something that we needed to vet. We needed to, you know, get the analytics behind or the numbers. We we know our community, we know our members, and there's such trust and trust-based philanthropy that has been built that I think that's just one example of why our community is so special um, and the impact that we can really have. Well, that's terrific. And you've just described yet another dimension of the collective and how you work together. Rena, you're the managing director of the collective, and I wonder how you got involved. Alex has told us about her engagement. What have you learned from coming into the collective and being in the position you're in? Oh, sure. I mean, this has absolutely been a dream job for me. Um, it's it's really one of the most, uh, I feel like I have the best job in the world. You know, I was, I was born into a family of what I call high-achieving do-gooders. So my grandfather rose up from working the auto factory floor to becoming the vice president of the United Auto Workers Union at a time when labor leaders like him kind of moved in sync with the likes of Martin Luther King Jr., Cesar Chavez, um, this is kind of my DNA. My father's a prison health expert um, who fights for inmates' rights to health care, and my mother founded and ran one of the largest nonprofit health plans in New York City. So public health was always really close to me and my heart and my family, and just doing purpose-driven work. I cut my teeth in global health really early on. As a college student, I studied abroad in Cape Town, South Africa, and in addition to you know traveling around that beautiful country and, um, you know, pretending to know how to surf, which I never really learned. I also was volunteering in a township with HIV positive um, families and communities. It was at a time when antiretroviral treatment was not available to people in South Africa. So there were protests and marches in the street almost every day 
I got very involved with the student action campaign and just really kind of found my inner activist and became pretty obsessed with um, working on the global HIV epidemic and then later particularly with adolescents and young people. So I spent about 15 years of my career focused on the needs of adolescents and youth um, around their sexual and reproductive health, HIV prevention and treatment. I founded programs in the U.S. working with teens and young adults and made my way to PSI about 10 years ago as our global youth and girls advisor. And it was right around that time that Maverick Collective was was getting started. And I worked hand in hand with a lot of our founding Maverick members who were funding the youth and girls work of PSI. And I kind of fell into being almost like a, um, a, a liaison to them, you know, kind of helping, t- helping them navigate the global youth and girls space, spending time with them in country and in conferences as they were getting smart on the issues and going deep on their own learning journey. I even got to live in Myanmar for several months starting up a Maverick project. So it was pretty close to the community from the get-go. And then moved over to found startup Maverick Next along with Alex um, and and then take over the collective a couple years ago when my predecessor left. And it's just been this amazing way for me to combine my deep passion for designing with and 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 really kind of learning directly from communities about what they desire, what delights them, what what is important to them when it comes to their ability to thrive and being able to co-design with them the programs that are going to really um, really help them see success in the world and being able to then bring, in, bring donors into that space uh, and watch the magic that happens when our Maverick members really get to sit right there proximate, you know, in the room with the the women and girls that they're supporting, the way that Alex talked about, you know, her moment of meeting a young married girl in Ethiopia. It's really one of the biggest pleasures of my life. Well, I can hear that your enthusiasm and commitment and experience certainly come through. We're quickly running out of time, but I want to ask both of you, as you've given us this uh, wonderful introduction to the work of the collective, and perhaps even more importantly, hearing about the impact and the change that is created from that kind of work. Given that, what makes you optimistic? I mean, obviously, uh, Rena, you talked earlier about the dire situation of women's health around the world, and it is that. But yet you are making such a difference uh, collectively through the collective uh, and what you're doing individually. So what gives you hope in these times? I think if you can um, do something or make a difference in one person's life, that uh, can have such a cascading and crucial and important impact. I, you know, as I mentioned, sitting across from a young woman who is 16 and married and has the pressure of um, pressure coming from family and, and, you know, whereas I have a choice, I think is um, motivates me every single day. I think that also, um, you know, just growing up, that is part of our uh, values. I was raised as um, and equal. My father, my mother, my family, they always had treated me uh, with equity. 
And so I feel as though I have a responsibility um, to support in any way that I can to um, help uplift um, those that are in poverty or um, do not have the same opportunities or access to healthcare. What really gives me hope is being able to sit at this kind of nexus where I sit at PSI, where I get to spend my days listening directly to leaders on the ground, proximate leaders, feminist leaders, community leaders, hearing from them directly what they want for the world, what they want for their own lives, what they think the solutions are uh, to kind of solving and dismantling these really deep-seated systemic problems. And then being able to go and sit in rooms with a community of, you know, bold, spirited, curious women who have a lot of resources and a lot of passion and a willingness to listen and bringing those worlds together and, and being able to ensure that we can resource not only big, creative, ingenuine ideas, but ideas that are driven by the people who are experiencing the problems the most. And so what gives me hope is that we have an opportunity to redefine the way global health is done, to redefine the way philanthropy is done. And Maverick Collective is doing that even in just our tiny slice of the world. And if there's any type of, you know, if we can share anything that impacts and inspires others to act more boldly, to listen to communities, to give more flexibly, to take on a, a more feminist approach to the way that they mobilize their resources, I think that we have made a real impact. Well, certainly the Maverick Collective provides so much hope uh, to women around the globe. And for that, we should all be grateful and grateful uh, to you, Rena Grindfinger, and to you, Alex Idle, for the work that you do uh, with the collective and making so much possible. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. That's a refreshingly different and effective approach to improving women's health around the world. Here are three things I took from that conversation. First, as Rena says, women won't have gender equity until we have health equity. And we know how to create health equity through testing, access to healthcare, and other strategies that Maverick supports. Second, it's wonderful to know that women increasingly have the means and the ability to put their money where it will make a real difference in a way that makes sense to them and to the women they support. And finally, the women of Maverick Collective are creating a model of philanthropy that goes beyond check writing. As Alex says, this means that donors engage deeply in the work the organization does and learn from in-person visits about the women and girls they are impacting. Tune in next time to learn about our next featured woman and learn why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. Have a great day.